You're about to listen to a guest interview with Matt Beswick of Era and Blush fame. In this interview, Harry takes the lead as Harry's known Matt B slightly longer than I have. So I chime in with the occasional question, but Harry takes the lead and we're kind of talking through questions and, and answers, um, straying between kind of a bit of banter at times. And actually there were a lot of serious um, insights, which me and Harry will dissect um, after the interview. Hope you enjoy ultimately like if you are running a business then you are running a business and most people don't want to have a job like they, they want to start a company so that you get the kind of the flex and the freedom that comes with with doing that and very often you accidentally end up just being tied to this this thing and you speak to a lot of business owners where their business becomes a weight around their neck so for me i've always and you've always know like you've worked with me for a long time you know i've, I've always tried to extricate myself from the day-to-day and, and slowly but surely take that step back it was a bit of a whirlwind and like i say everything just seemed to go right for us Mm, which is amazing like that that happens when you're doing good work and you're not being dicks to people like a lot of running a business i honestly think comes down to just like keep your clients happy don't be horrible to people and you'll get that word of mouth and that kind of organic natural growth just from that at some point you have to work for your sales but if you like the main thing is do a good job if you are not seen as a part of the team or a strategic partner with whoever it is that you're working with things are going to get very difficult because it, it shows two things. One, like you can do that base level agency services. Fine. There's a lot of people out there that can do that as well. Um, if you can't elevate you up to, to that level, then you're going to lose clients because you have to really understand their business and what they're doing and how they're doing it and what makes them tick for them to need you to stick around. Hello and welcome back to Building, our podcast that charts our journey to starting and scaling 1225, the audience first growth marketing agency. And the recording date for the record books, because we do that, is the 19th of October 2023. And um, it actually says 2024 on our show notes, so you can see how prepared we are. We're joined by a <laughs> special guest today, an absolute treat for the podcast listeners. Um, but before we even let him speak, uh, Brendan, I'll let you lead with a little uh, story and then we'll run the proper intros. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I first um, met met this guy. We, you haven't actually said his name yet. So I'm not going to say his name yet. Okay. Fine. So um, yeah, it was back first day starting in the agency world. First job at an agency. I was tasked with. Okay, we want to rank number one for these terms: SEO Northampton, SEO Bedford, SEO Milton Keynes, SEO Agency. So. So I'm doing my search. Okay, which competitors do we have to beat out? And this guest that we've got on the podcast today literally owned the top spot for every single one of these terms. And for two years, I was pulling out my hair. See, I haven't got any left. Um, and it was all because of this guest. He owned it all. And it was all the tactics. So I learned a lot from what this guest was doing um, online and how he was doing it. And then, what, maybe four or five years later, I ended up at his agency as well. So um, he's been our boss for you for six, year, six years, me for five years. So, yeah, I just thought I'd share that message. It's someone that we've looked up to on our SEO journey from afar a long, long time. So, so that probably leads us nicely into the intro, Brendan, that we asked ourselves every day for those two years, which is, who the fuck is Matt Beswick? <laughs> <laughs> 
Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much. It's where is Matt, wasn't it, for a time as well? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they quickly became who is as well. Yeah. <laughs> what a story. There's a, there was a lot of spam back in the day. Don't do that anymore. But um, yeah, I, I'd completely forgotten about that. That site ranks really well. And it wasn't just Milton Keynes and Northampton. Like It was countrywide. I think SEO Consultant was top one or top two for a while as well. Couldn't do that with the, the stuff that's on there anymore. I actually need to, to bin that site still and, and, and refresh it. But yeah, it's, yeah, nice memories. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's find the, the classic background questions. Um, some that we probably don't know too much about either, um, given obviously we face very much in the day-to-day for the last six years. Um, Matt, tell us about yourself. Um, yeah, all right. So uh, my, my background is um, computer science. So I have a computer science degree. I kind of finished uni and went out and worked for an IT company as a project manager and then kind of an, what was called an acceptance manager. So moving projects from PMs in, into live. And then I happened to build this Facebook game that just kind of took off. And we went from nothing to 150,000-ish daily players over the space of a couple of months. That let me quit my job and me and my other half kind of traveled around and, and, and ran that for a while. Over time, that started to drop out and I accidentally fell into SEO. I started my own retail site, ended up working with clients, became a consultant, decided to get on stage and start speaking and then accidentally built an agency. And if you, you talk to a lot of people who started out at around the same time that I did, it was all by accident. Now, the, the, the original people were, were kind of either running sites that were their own or they happened to be working a job they didn't want to do anymore and fell into what's essentially playing on the internet. So, you know, I think things have changed a little bit now where, where people are planning to become digital marketers and planning to, to go into SEO or to, to go into paid. Um, back in the day, like, all the SEOs seemed to, to do it by accident. So, yeah, that's my background. Ended up running an agency by mistake. Um, kind of had one person working for me and then teamed up with Paddy Moogan, who is the, the other founder at, at Era. And we went from, you know, me, him and a couple of other people to 40 plus over the space of a few years. And it, it's been a bit of a journey. I actually took a step back, as you both know, from ERA in July last year. So I split my time now between ERA and um, Blush, which is my wife's agency. So, yeah, wearing a couple of different hats, trying to spend more time with the family and, and the kids as well. I think that hopefully covers it. Yeah, it's good. I'd say um, often, so we spoke to a few people before we started 1225, and a lot of them gave us the advice of, don't start an agency. And now we've got somebody on the podcast that's got two of them. So, so, so there's two different ways of looking at that question. Um, but there's one thing that we've asked every guest we've had so far, and it's a really good insight. So you've done a lot in your time. What is the one thing you're most proud of professionally? Stepping back from error. Not because error. I didn't want to be there. But I think if you can get to the point with a business where you're happy to take a step back because you know that you've got the team there or... I guess in my case, you've, you've got a business partner there who kind of firstly wants to stay, but also is able to kind of pick up and, and run with it. I think that's a, a pretty big achievement. So and there's a lot we've done over the years and, and a lot of cool stuff that we've worked on. But ultimately, like if you are running a business, then you are running a business. And most people don't want to have a job. 
like they, they want to start a company so that you get the kind of the flex and the freedom that comes with with doing that and very often you accidentally end up just being tied to this this thing and you speak to a lot of business owners where their business becomes a weight around their neck so for me i've always and you always know like you, you've worked with me for a long time you know i've, I've always tried to extricate myself from the day-to-day -day and, and slowly but surely take that step back and yeah in, in july last year that that was when I, when I was able to do it so um yeah that, that's probably the the proudest thing that I've, I've managed to do while running a business, which is ironic. You, know, you run a business and the proudest thing is that you're able to step back from it, but hopefully it's for the right reasons. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. So we want to, we will come on to this with like, we wanted to get you on very much for selfish reasons to talk about like those early parts of growth and how you found the early days of ERA and other businesses that you've worked on. Um, but it's quite interesting to go all the way to the other end, which is kind of taking that step back as well. I've spoken to a lot of people about that as well. And they said it's something they find very hard to adjust to in terms of the day to day from being like laser focused on one thing. Um, how have you found that? It was hard. You, you go from thinking about this one thing 24 seven, either on purpose or by accident. And, and you'll know that there's times when I've been, and this is, this is more a while ago, but times when I've been on holiday or at a weekend spending it with a family and your brain's always just a little bit switched on. Like you, you, you can never fully switch off from, from the business. So having that adjustment of going from working on just that one thing, and I knew that um, I was probably going to start working with Nicola and, and do more on Blush, but I don't think I knew how big that transition was going to be. Honestly, for the first three months, I was pretty much brain dead. My, my plan was to take a step back from ERA, spend a, a few weeks on holiday. I think we had a holiday planned at the time um, and then come back, take another week or two off and then get kind of straight back into doing something. It didn't really work out like that. I, I needed to rest. And I don't think that I knew just how how much I needed to rest until probably six months afterwards. So yeah, I was I was a husk of a man and, and brain dead for a little while. So that, that was a really big adjustment. And slowly but surely, I, I think I've been able to work out where I stand with Aero now and where I can add some value. Um, also work out where I can add some value in, into Blush and also kind of slow down a little bit because you know I've taken a step back. I didn't want to go back up to 100 miles an hour straight away. So still take Fridays off pretty much every Friday off, go to the gym, chill out, spend a bit of time and, and just just relax a bit. So yeah, so far so good. It's got busier lately though, which is disappointing to say the least. <laughs> uh, so um, you said there about the added value side of things in terms of how you can add value to error and then how you can add value to blush. Is it the same thing or are you finding you get into play like two different roles? Yeah, it's really different. Um, I think I am still finding my way with the, the new world of error, but being a sounding board, so spending time with Paddy and just giving him almost an, a, an outside opinion from somebody who has been on the inside and still understands the inside, I, I think and hope there's quite a lot of value there. Also, like Paddy and I have always said, you know, I play, and we're not really, but I play the role of the dickhead. He plays the role of the, of the nice one. And giving that balance still whilst also being able to be more objective because I am a step back and I, I can look at things from the outside in that 
or me has been quite valuable and, and hopefully Paddy's found the same as well. And working with, you know, Shannon and, and, and Matt Kay, who, who actually left yesterday, like just trying to kind of keep my eye in and, and be there when they need some support, give them opinions that they may or may not want and throw a hand grenade in every now and again. I, I, I think there is, there is still value there. So like I say, still finding my way. I think things we, we talked about this yesterday, actually, things are going to change slightly over the next three months or so. I'm probably going to get a bit more involved in things like weekly leadership meetings and um, SMT meetings and so on and just give a, a different perspective. But that's very much me kind of being an outsider, trying to help where I can. With Blush, um, it's uh, it's really split. It's almost like the early days of, of working in ERA, to be honest, where smaller agencies, so lots of plates spinning. Um, I'm trying to find the balance of getting out there and being somebody who kind of sings the praises of both Era and Blush. So you know, if I'm going to go and speak at Brighton in April next year, hopefully if Kelvin will have me, um, then you know, finding how to, to balance those two roles in two different agencies. And they are very different agencies as well with, with very different businesses that we work for. So it's, yeah, the, I don't know. I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer to this, but I'm very, very mindful that when you've got two businesses who are doing a similar kind of thing and I suppose could be competitors, even though they're not, I, I have to do right by both of them. So yeah, that, that's the balance. How does that affect kind of co-founder relationships? I mean, it's obviously a slightly different with Blush, it's, it's your wife's agency, but with Paddy, your relationship, strong kind of co-founders that partnership o over the years that era has been going up until this point mm. and then that changed as well so stepping away has that sh shifted the relationship and also your work with blush has that is that relationship <laughs> difficult to to manage especially as it's your partner um so starting with like with, with blush no honestly we, nick and i have worked together for a very long time and we, we work pretty well together. Like we'll argue about things as any co-founders do. Um, it's a bit different when you, you kind of live together and you have kids together as well, because you, you don't get that separation. Um, but for us, that, that's always been fine and we've always been able to work through it. So no real issues there. I've been very careful not to come in and make it feel like I'm like taking over and really stepping on my toes because I've got a bit of a habit of trying to do that. So yeah, it, it, it's very much her thing, but I'm there to kind of help and go out and do the kind of selling and strategy and stuff where it's needed. Paddy and I's dynamics definitely changed over the last year. I would, I would argue it's for the better because I think by the time I was ready to take a step back, there was a real risk that at some point we were going to fall out. Um, because I, I'd kind of got to the point where I was doing spreadsheets and we had a, we've got a head of finance who's better at spreadsheets than me. I was fighting fires where I needed to, but you know, we, we had heads of and, and people who are better at working with our clients than, than I was. So I kind of made myself, yeah, Harry's nodding. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of made, made myself redundant over time and that was on purpose because I didn't want to be in there all the time, day to day, day to day, day to day. Paddy's a bit younger than I am. He doesn't have two kids. And Paddy, in the nicest way, Paddy cares more about the kind of people and cultural side than I do because that's how he's wired. So you can't have one person who kind of wants to take a bit of a step back and another person who wants to be in there all the time as co-founders. I, th I think that's a real risk of a time when you would really fall out. So we did what grown-ups do. We went to the pub and, and talked about it. And, and it was decided that this, this was the right time. So 
The dynamics definitely changed. I think in some ways it's brought us closer together because we work on the bigger things. And if something goes really wrong, then we both muck in and, and we get it done. If not, I, I've been really mindful just to leave him to it. He, he's running the show and he's made some decisions that I agree with. He's made some decisions that I wouldn't have personally made, but I'm not there to tell him how to do his job. Like he's, he's, he's big enough and strong enough and, you know, he's got no hair either. So he, he's kind of been there and, and, and done that. So he, he should be able to make those decisions and he will know what's better for error because he's in there day to day. So I've, I've been really careful not to like say, actually mate, that was shit because he's doing a good job. From your time, obviously working with Paddy um, through Era's journey, is there any kind of one tip or one bit of advice for kind of that worked for you and Paddy as co-founders that, that me and Harry could learn from as well? I think you have to really understand each other as people and have as much empathy to the other person as you possibly can. So Paddy and I are quite similar in lots of ways. We like steak, we like whiskey, um, and we're quite different in other ways, which is a good thing. So, and again, going back to that nice one, dickhead, we, we always met in the middle. I think that's what as co-founders you have to try and do. Like the moment that we, we moved further apart or the moments that we moved further apart was when things started to get touchy and started to fall apart a little bit. So we always tried to kind of have different viewpoints, but stay pretty central because we both had the same vision and we knew what we were trying to achieve. And as long as you stick to that, like if you've got a plan and you know what you're trying to get to, as long as you both stick to that and you see that as the end goal, you're fine because whatever disagreements or agreements you have day to day, it's with that end goal in mind. The moment you start thinking that somebody is pulling in a different direction to you, that's when things start to break down. So just catching that and talking about it as soon as you can is really, really important because if you don't, things start to really, really kind of go downhill quite quickly. So again, I, I, I joked about it before, like the grown-ups going to the pub thing. That, that's really important, just like, take an hour out, go and have a chat and remember that you were mates before this, you'll be mates after this. And yes, the business partner thing comes in the middle, but at the end of the day, if you're, if you're still making sure that you are going to be friends afterwards, everything else will probably work itself out. Brilliant. Yeah. Makes sense. It's uh, I just say that because maybe this, no, last week I got my first, um, first bollocking from Harry as co-founder from some of my actions as well. So, um, yeah, I'll keep that in mind and obviously push forward. It was, you deserve it it was a, yeah, I was being a bit juvenile. Harry was having a conversation with, um, Josh, our first employee, and I, I was messing around in the background. So yeah, fully deserved. I try, try to have a serious conversation and Brendan comes in waving the middle finger on the, on the webcam. <laughs> So, yeah. so uh, I think uh, let's go to the selfish part of this interview, which is being open. The first three months of 1225 have been fucking wild. Like, there's something that Brendan, you and I are talking about, which is, yes, it's been three months, but for me personally, it feels like it's been 10 years in the making. Like, I knew since the day one of first agency, I wanted to give this a go for myself and hope to find a co-founder and an unfortunately landed up with, with Brendan, but, um, like, Cheers, mate. <laughs> <it's all good. laughs> but, uh, but on a serious note, like it has been so far both beyond and below and everything in terms of expectations, it's been crazy. So we wanted to ask you 
a lot of questions around the early days of, of error, if that's mm. okay. And we thought, well, we could just give you a call and talk about it. Or we could, could use it for our own marketing materials and get it on a podcast as well. Um, so it's like the selfish route. Um, so yeah, as I was saying, first three months have been absolutely crazy. Highs, lows, um, stress, a lot of stress. Um, but in different ways, it's definitely a very different type of stress from the days of, of em employment and things like that. But can you cast your mind back to that first couple of months when you decided with Paddy, do you know what, air is the direction for us now. Um, I just kind of recall what that was like for you. Yeah, it was a little bit different to you because I'd already been cons consulting for quite a while and already had some clients and a couple of pe people working for me. So Paddy was almost coming into an agency that already existed but needed to change a lot. So the first few months or the first few weeks, we kind of spent just introducing Paddy to the customers that I was working with. He'd obviously left um, Distilled and is was, is still very respected in the industry. So we spent a lot of time in those first few weeks and months just trying to find our way and work out what we were going to be. We talked about it before, obviously, but like until you actually start working with somebody and you're actually kind of in that day to day, you don't really know. I, it's like moving in with somebody until you know mm -hmm. how they kind of throw their to toothbrush around the, the bathroom. You, you don't really know them. So, and it's a similar thing with working with somebody. So I think we were quite careful, you know, Paddy and I are, I, I like to spin plates. I like to work in a, in a way that's a bit chaotic at times. Paddy's a bit more controlled. Um, but I think what we were really careful of in those first, those, those early days was just to, just to work things out and take our time because we had a bit of flex, like we had some customers, so it wasn't as if we had to get a load of money in on day one to keep us keep us afloat. We, we had some time. And then things just started to go. You know, um, we got out there, we were getting on stage, we were speaking, we were writing. People knew who Paddy was and, and that made a massive difference to us just because of the kind of the word of mouth and, and referral thing. So we started to get all of these clients come in and we were like, shit, we're actually onto something here. And what we tried to do was find that balance between the customers that I'd worked with for a long time, which were generally smaller businesses. I, I had a few that were a bit bigger, but generally smaller clients. Paddy had been used to working with these big brands because you know, distilled big agency, obviously kind of um, sold now and, and are no more, but they had all of these big clients that they, they worked for. And we saw there was a real opportunity to sit somewhere in the middle where you have kind of good, real, proper growing businesses that need people who know what they're doing, but don't have the 15, 20, 30 grand a month budgets, um, but can still are still like really good customers. And if you sit at the kind of those middle retainers and do a good job, they'll be there forever. So those, again, like those first few months, trying to work out what we were doing, realizing that we were actually onto something, making sure that we could actually service these clients, do good work for them and sell to new ones and work out who was doing what and when and how it was just plates all over the place and it was good it's exciting like that that's a really a really good time because you can see something's growing you're having fun with it it's all fresh and new which always makes it more exciting anyway so yeah i've got good memories of that specifics i it's a, it's a while ago now and when you are kind of in the thick of it looking back which is on i don't know what we're talking about seven eight years like looking back that far I don't think I could tell you what was going on day to day, but I know it was fun. Mm, interesting. And when you say a couple of months, right, that could mean two months, could be four months, could be six. Yeah. Rough indicator of that, again, very selfishly, just so I can put like our situation against that. So we, if I start with years, so we doubled 
every year for the first three years. And like rough numbers, probably, I don't know, 250K to 500 to a million to 2 million, something like that. Mm. Um, and there was there was obviously kind of peaks and troughs and, and ebbs and, and flows, but we didn't really lose clients either. So, you know, we were taking on work. We were doing a lot of it ourselves. We were working out who we needed to hire, who was doing a good job, who wasn't doing a good job. Um, I don't know. I would say the first six, nine, 12 months were, were very much like that. Mm. Um, but it's a while ago. And... I've got a terrible memory. So yeah, something like that. Okay. And how did you strike that balance? I say that's something that we're definitely finding hard is like, we are again, like lucky enough that the growth up until this point has been pretty quick, like a lot faster than we had hoped for, which is by no means a, a complaint, but it does then strike the balance of, we know we need to be doing this marketing stuff. We know we need to be doing the sales activity, but we need to retain the clients as well. Did you like have a balance whereby one of you was more focused on delivery, one was more focused on the, the marketing, or was it trying to just strike a balance day to day? It was a bit of a balance. Uh, Paddy naturally lent towards doing more of the kind of getting out there. And I'm a bit more kind of operationally focused. So there was probably, I don't know, a 60, 40, 70, 30 split, something like that. Um, but again, you know, we would just work and get out. So we didn't really have a plan around a lot of this. And a lot of the work as well came through word of mouth. So we didn't actually have to really go out there and find it, um, which was really fortunate. I think things have changed a little bit, especially over the last year and a half or so. Like things are tougher at the moment for agencies, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, it, it all just kind of happened, which I know is very easy to say. I'm sure there was more of a plan than I'm, I'm saying at the moment. <laughs> um, but it, it was a bit of a whirlwind. And like I say, everything just seemed to go right for us. Mm, which is amazing. Like that, that happens when you're doing good work and you're not being dicks to people. Like a, a lot of running a business, I honestly think, comes down to just like keep your clients happy, don't be horrible to people, and you'll get that word of mouth and that kind of organic natural growth just from that. At some point, you have to work for your sales. But if you like, the main thing is do a good job. Did, were there points ever that your kind of strategic direction? as a business kind of shifted in the early days more than it did in the later days, because you were thinking, oh, okay, this may be an opportunity. Let's see what, what we get out of that, like B2B SaaS or, or e-commerce, whatever it may be. Did it, did it shift around a lot in the early days? Yeah, di digital PR is probably our thing. So when we hired Shannon, who is still at Aero now, I think that's when things really started to take off on the digital PR side of things. Um, we had a big client come in that came in through Paddy as well at a similar kind of time. Um, there wasn't many people doing digital PR. I'd argue there's some agencies saying they're doing digital PR that aren't really nowadays, but like, that, that is what it is. Um, going, going more seriously, going back to then, there was, a, there was actually a split between what link building is and what digital PR is. And I think the waters have been muddied a lot over the last few years and, and things are changing. Um, but we were one of the first agencies to really do digital PR. You had like Verve and Distilled and, and a few others around, um, but there wasn't that many who could do it and not that many who could do it well. And that whole convergence of digital PR and traditional PR hadn't really happened yet. So I think that was our thing where we were like, okay, we're onto something here. You know, we, we can do creative content. People want it, people need it. And we're actually quite good at it. So that was a big driver for our growth at the time. So finding that thing that you can do that not everybody else is doing, like you could argue we got lucky because it was right place, right time, but you only get lucky if you put yourself out there. Fair enough. Um... That it is interesting. I do agree with that. That's something that you and I have spoken about a lot, Brendan, which is when it comes to 
some of the things that we're doing of like, but if, if we don't try this, like we would just sit here going like, oh, the opportunities aren't coming, but you're not really making them your yourself either, which is interesting. Can I ask a, a very selfish question next? And I think based on what you have said, I think I already know this answer, but one of my biggest problems like personally in the first three months is we did a forecast of what we thought was going to happen from a financial perspective, um, which is complete nonsense, as I think I've heard many a time over. You don't know what's going to happen. You're putting numbers into thin air, especially in year one. And every day, day that goes by where we're ahead of that forecast, I feel great. Every day where there's even a slight possibility you might fall behind it, like I want to lay under the bed and cry. Um, like, did you, like, did you have a forecast? Were you very close to it? Or did you just kind of roll with the punches? Just roll with the punches. We didn't have a forecast until COVID. So we only really did a forecast because we had to, because we were we had clients on 30-day contracts and we were like, it'll be fine. The world's never going to end. And then the world ended. And we were kind of a bit like, oh, shit, that happened. Yeah, we, we, we didn't really. We track financials, obviously. We've always used zero. We had um, reports that, that I kind of built out and we had good accountants as well eventually. Um but yeah, we never really had had a forecast that showed what we wanted to achieve and when we wanted to achieve it. We just wanted to grow and we, we wanted to do good work. As long as we could earn the money that we needed, we kind of knew that everything would would come good. So I, I, I do think there's a risk that you put more pressure on yourself than you need to by having numbers in a spreadsheet. Because as you say, if, if things go really well and you're ahead of the forecast, then okay, great. And then you adjust your forecast to make it even harder for you to achieve that new forecast. When actually, if you just kind of left the numbers as they are and got on and, and did good work, it probably works out the same and you have less stress. Yeah, this this is a, a common theme over the past kind of three, four months of working with Harry. Like it's almost daily. We, we, we're not discussing it in minute detail, but it's like talking about the numbers we need to hit and doing that. And I, I do think it, it's building an invisible pressure. And for me, pressure is a myth. It's just something we create ourselves. But then I look across and Harry, you've, you've always been this way, Harry, very kind of analytical with the numbers. You're very driven, ambitious. You, you want to get to where you want to get to in timelines. Um, but yeah, that, that's interesting about that. And it's... Uh, it's a trap. There's a lot of irony in me saying this as well, because, you know, like, I, I'm very often the one that's putting a spreadsheet together. But I think it's a trap that we fell into at error at some point. I don't know exactly when. Um, there's an argument to say that when we gave all of our heads of service a P&L, that was a mistake, because actually you just want heads of service focusing on doing a really good job. So everything that you kind of say in there rings really true with me. Like, yes, there's time a time and a place for a spreadsheet that shows how the business is doing and making sure that you're not going bankrupt. Like, you, you need to have that. But at the same time, like, looking at this day in, day out, or week in, week out, does it actually change anything? Like, does it, does it change how you're approaching building your agency? If it does, then great. If it doesn't and you just review numbers for the sake of it, then stop it. Like, there's no reason that you should... There's no reason, I'm, I'm going to question whether this is true or not, there's no reason that you should need to look at that spreadsheet more than once a month unless something drastic has changed. So if you've got more business in than you expected and you're trying to work out if you can hire, fine, go and look at the numbers. If you've lost a client and you want to make sure that you're stable, fine, go and look at the numbers. 
if you're just looking at the numbers day to day to to see whether or not you've spent an extra hundred pounds here or a thousand pounds there, I don't know. I, I I think you're adding more stress than you need to. Interesting learning. I'm going to use that now for the next three months, every <laughs> single day, every time Harry talks to me about the forecast. We're like, Harry, chill, man. It's fine. We've got this. So yeah. Um, the time to the time to look at the numbers more is when when you can't chill because things are bad. If things are good, then you can kind of let it go a bit more, I think. But again, like I say, there's so much irony in me saying this because I'm the worst for looking at a spreadsheet. So I get it from Harry's point of view as well. <laughs> and then on that, when it came to those early hires, um, like I'm guessing there were probably times where the forecast or any numbers that you did have, if you're looking at them, maybe told you it wasn't the right thing to do. Um, like we've definitely been in that in that position already. It's like, how much do you go on gut feel versus what those, what those numbers are saying? 90% gut feel most of the time. You, you know if you can afford to hire and you know if you're putting yourself at massive risk. Like with Blush, we accidentally hired three people in August because the opportunities came along. Like we, we were looking for a copywriter and ended up with, with three people coming through the door doing a mixture of copywriting, um, SEO and kind of general digital. But they were the right people, the right fit. And hopefully we've got the right clients to, and it means that we can do a better job. So if your gut says we can probably afford this and it's going to make us better, and it means that you're freed up to go and do more selling or you're freed up to go and work out how to manage all of these clients, then do it. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. And then this is like, it sounds like a negative question, but it's not, it's just so we can learn faster. Um, what's like been the, and I think something always comes to you when someone asks you this question, like, which is the one thing that you look back on and think, you know what, that was a mistake. And don't say hiring Harry or Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistake. There's been a lot over the years. I can't think of one big thing that we did wrong that, okay. that I could go back and say, oh, we really shouldn't have done that. You know, there's an argument to say we shouldn't have had all of these rolling 30-day contracts. We definitely shouldn't. But we were aware of those for a good year before COVID hit, and we were trying to fix it. So we kind of knew that we'd made a bit of a mistake there. But also, looking at it the other way, it probably meant that we retained clients for a bit longer. And we had a few clients that started with us because they had that flex of being on a rolling 30-day. So yeah, it hurt us when COVID hit, but there were reasons for it. There's also times where we've probably tried to hold on to people in the team that actually were ready to leave and wanted to leave. And we've, we've, we've counter offered and offered them more money and they've stayed for the right reasons, but eventually those people move on. And there's times when we've done that and that person has stuck around for a while and it's been really, really good. Um, there's times when that person has stuck around and they probably should have left a few months before they end up leaving. And it doesn't, I don't think it's ever soured it, but if that person is ready to go and the business is at the point where it's probably right for that person to go as well, you just need to let them go. And I, I've found that quite hard with, with certain people. So there's, there's probably some mistakes that we've made there as well. There's personal mistakes. There's times when I've kind of switched off and taken my foot off the gas when I probably shouldn't have done. Um, Paddy's called me out on it a couple of times, which is the, the right thing to do. Um, but there's not like, there's not this one big thing that we did in, in the business that put us at massive risk. Uh, another example, there's, there's clients we've had, and you'll have been aware of this, there's big clients we've had, which were 
20% of the business, 30% of the business, 35% of the business. On paper, you probably shouldn't take those on because it means you have to hire and you're tied to that client. If they disappear, it's really painful. Would I go back and change it? Probably not, to be honest, because you, you, like, you're not going to walk away from a million pound a year client because they add an extra risk into the business. You'd be mad to do that. Mm. You're, a, you're a very zen man. Like I, I, yeah. I need to take a step back and relax a bit. Um, so let's uh, let's move forward a little bit to, to the present day, um, keeping it on the, the, the topic of things that are fun. Um, the market is crazy right now, um, is one way of saying it. Tough is another way. Difficult, like however you want to describe it, it's a very different market from a market that I think for the most part we've all been used to in, in our careers. Um, how are you and, and Blash now refining things at the minute? Market's weird. I'm a little bit older, so I'm just over forty, which you can see from the hairline. Although between you two, similar kind of similar. Kind of thing. <laughs> I've got an excuse as well because I'm old. Um, the market is weird at the moment, but I'm like I say, I'm I'm a little bit older, so I remember 2008. And although it didn't directly affect me, that was around the time that the Facebook stuff that I mentioned before was starting. Um, I've kind of been through that recession. I think a lot of people. Definitely a lot of people in era, um, like weren't working in, in 2008. So you don't have those, those memories of it. So yes, it's tough. Our classes is very lucky that we started an agency when we did, because we probably started it COVID aside, although COVID was kind of a positive with kind of the shift in, in clients. Um, we started an agency when things were good at the moment, it is tough for blush. We're actually finding it easier at the moment because the clients that want to get on really want to get on and they just want to kind of do something, make sure that they pick somebody who's going to do a good job and, and somebody they trust and somebody they can have that personal relationship with. And a lot of smaller agencies that I talk to are finding the same kind of thing where instead of having to go through kind of these big procurement processes that larger agencies have to go through, like you, you're building that relationship with a client, you understand their business and you can get on and you can work on their SEO and work on their page and work on their site messaging, whatever else it is. So bringing everything into one place and having a small team that can really start to understand that. I think that's what a lot of businesses are looking for at the, mo for at the moment. Era has found things tougher because the bigger companies, you're just a budget line. And if that budget line gets crossed out, then that marketing manager can like you as much as that marketing manager wants. It's a budget line that doesn't exist anymore. Also getting sales across the line is taking forever. I don't know if you've seen it, but you know, if there are decision makers that need to get sign off from their boss or their boss's boss, you're not talking four to six weeks anymore. You're talking eight weeks, 12 weeks, six months to, to get that sign off done. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely seeing that this, like the decision-making process in terms of like the, we want to do this thing is probably the same amount of time as it always has been mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, like a two to four week sales cycle. But then the, the gap from that verbal confirmation to getting something signed is like, we've had some that like, I'm sure you don't mind saying, like we started trying to sell some of this stuff while we were still at error and yeah. like it only got signed two weeks ago. Yeah. So it's gonna it's been six months and like yeah, we're definitely seeing the final pen on paper is taking a lot longer than it has done before. And that is. is an interesting thing. So like you can't really fast track that either. You've just kind of got to accept it and let it run. 
No, yeah. like you, you can do all the sales stuff where you're kind of building your champions and you're building the trust and, and what have you. But a lot of this just comes down to processes. And if people are questioning whether to spend the money, like, yeah, you can have all the trust in the world and it'll mean that you're the one that, that wins that work when it gets to that point. But they still have to make the decision to spend the money. And some of it is at the moment is just patience. And also there's this curious habit. I noticed it at ERA as well at times, um, towards a later time that ghosting happens a lot more. People like, you'll go and actually present a proposal to, to a client and you won't hear anything else from them. The amount of emails, phone calls, you know, won't hear from them. And that's something that's happened recently. And I don't know why. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I'm, to be honest, that's always happened. And some of it just comes down to experience of knowing when a client's going to do it. And you, you get a gut feel. Like sometimes you're surprised and people ghost you that you'd never expect to ghost you. Um, I think it possibly is happening more now. I think um, not so much blush, but on the error side of things from conversations that I've had, I think, again, sales is more difficult. So especially with outbound as well, if you're the one that's finding that opportunity and bringing it to them, the chances that they are just going to completely ignore you because there's so many people trying to do this at the moment and so much noise. I think, I think that's where things are really hard. That gives us a very nice segue to ask a next very selfish question, which is um, client acquisition. Like, what are you doing that is working? And like, are you placing any big bets on things that you think are going to work? Um, personal relationships on the blush side of things has been massive. Just, you know, word of mouth and people that I've known for years or Nicola's known for years that they happen to get in touch. We are more fortunate with blush in that we're, we're actively trying not to onboard very many clients. So if we have a new person, a new client come on board every three months or so, that's about right. And the, the aim isn't to, to grow big. So that really takes the pressure off and, and makes it a bit easier. Um, we are trying to get out there a little bit more and there's a kind of a site update, potential rebrand and a few other bits and pieces on the way as well. So that there is more happening. But again, like this is, it's a much slower burn and we don't have to get out there and go and try and sell. With ERA, we are still really focusing on kind of the word of mouth and the, the referral side of things, which has always done really well for us, as, as you'll both know. And that, that's something that we've, we've built the business on. We've done a lot um, internally as well to look at client churn and making sure that we're adding as much value as we can. And as you get bigger as an agency, like keeping that quality there and making sure that you have those per personal relationships and, and building that value gets so much harder. So we're, we're trying to put time into that. And then from a sales perspective, um, we are doing more around outbound than we've ever done before. That's starting to work. Um, it's been a hard slog to be honest, but it, it, it is starting to work now. And I think we're still trying to work out like post COVID where best to go and, and build that kind of referral expertise piece that we've always been really good at. You know, we were always on stage, we were always speaking and writing and, and, and doing all of that kind of stuff. Then COVID hit and there was a lot of webinars and people got bored of those. And now you've got a split between webinars and conferences where people don't really want to go to conferences like they used to. So you don't quite get the value that you used to from those, but also again, people are very bored of webinars. So I think we and everybody else is still trying to find their way with that, mm. which is a very long way of saying we're doing a load of stuff and some of it's probably working and some of it isn't, but. At the end of it all, if you have a decent brand and you do a good job and you show that you know what you're talking about, hopefully things come good. 
hopefully you've been watching 1225 a little bit from afar, given how busy you are, even if it's a little bit, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, is there anything that you've seen as the, that you think, oh, maybe I'd be doing things slightly differently? Honestly, no. I think the, the way that you've approached this is, is the right way of doing it. You, you're doing things like this. You're out there shouting on LinkedIn, which I hate, but fine. <laughs> well done for actually doing it. Um, and from, a, like, from conversations that we've had as well, you're really focused on doing a good job for your clients. So that, that's not the external stuff and it's not the sales and the marketing stuff. But if you are really, really focused on just doing a good job and making sure that you're, you're servicing clients in the best way that you possibly can, then like you can't really do any more. So th there's nothing that I've looked at and gone, oh, come on boys, like <laughs> you can't be doing that. So you haven't embarrassed yourselves yet. I'll, I'll tell you if you have, but no, I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I look forward to that. I think you messaged me on like our third or fourth day and you're like, oh, you're posting on LinkedIn. I haven't muted you yet. So hopefully that's a good <laughs> 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 um, All right, nice. And I think that we've probably got two big questions to finish on. Um, Brendan, do you want to take one and I'll take one? Up to you which one you want to take. I'll let you take the, the final question in the show notes. Um, kind of what big bets uh, could be industry, could be with agencies or, or things that you see in the future. What, what, where's the landscape going? Very big, broad question, but is there something that you're kind of leaning towards that you're seeing is potentially a huge opportunity for the industry? Um, this is a massive buzzword, so I'll apologize to you and everybody else first, but like that strategic partner um, level is where you need to be as an agency. If you are not seen as a part of the team or a strategic partner with whoever it is that you're working with, things are going to get very difficult because it, it shows two things. One, like you can do that base level agency services. Fine. There's a lot of people out, out there that can do that as well. Um, if you can't elevate you up to, to that level, then you're going to lose clients because you have to really understand their business and what they're doing and how they're doing it and what makes them tick for them to need you to stick around with AI and you know everything else that's changed over the last year or so, it makes that base level stuff so much easier to do. So you, you have to take that step up. And I think you know as a smaller agency, it's a bit easier to do maintaining that quality and that level of engagement as you kind of grow and get into the 30, 40, 50, 60 people mark, that's when it gets hard. And it, it has to come down to hiring the right people who think about things in the same way that you do and have the expertise to be able to do it. Interesting. I, I think that would, that's similar to what Air has been trying to do for what, say, six, seven years. We've always had it drummed into us rightly. We've got to be strategic level. So in essence, you're almost saying, what's happened in, in the past is still relevant today and possibly even more relevant today with yeah, the advent of AI. Yeah, agreed. I, I think it's made it more important. So we, we've always talked about that and we've always done our best to, to get that to that point. And we've had successes, we've had failures like, like, like any business would. It is more important now than it's ever been. Because again, AI is a, a base, like it's an easy example to give. But if you're just writing shitty content to roll out onto a site that is going to do okay like, fine you can deliver some services but you probably won't be doing that in 18 months time so why bother like, you, you have to take that next step up makes sense 
Nice. And then I'll, uh, I'll finish up with the, the big final question, which is, uh, you, you may or may not remember some three months ago when Brendan and I uh, parted ways of era, but um, there was a promise of some steak. Uh, so, Matt, where is our steak? Hey, right. So Paddy promised that. I didn't promise it. So ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Part of that question. Did you see that? Straight away. Nothing, yeah, to, do straight away. nothing to do with me. <laughs> Such a politician. <laughs> we do need to go for a steak. We do, we do need to go for a steak. Cool. Nice. Weather screens right. in Central Milton Keynes? <laughs> Absolutely. I'll take it. We'll Love take anything we can get. Probably <laughs> after seven in the morning as well. <laughs> yeah. Have a pint as well. We'll have yeah. it. Nice. Cool. Nice. All right. Well, I think that brings us to, to the end, Matt. Um, really good insights from our side. I'm going to go away and have some deep reflection, especially on what you were saying around kind of taking a step back and letting things happen organically. I think I've definitely been personally putting too much pressure on making things happen rather than facing, like focusing on some of the basics and allowing good things to happen around that. So yeah, going to be some, uh, deep reflection over the couple of days that I'm off in a couple, um, this weekend as well. So, uh, yeah, thank you for, for coming on. And Brendan, I'll let you do the, the honours of the outro. Yeah, absolutely. As ever, swing well, but true. <laughs> nice one. So that was our interview uh, with Matt. Matt, if you're listening, I'm sure you will be. Thank you very much for that. Very insightful. Um, me and Harry are now going to just uh, kind of quickly chat about a couple of the points that, that Matt raised in this interview. Harry, I'm going to start with the most obvious one for, for <laughs> us and and the way that we've been working over the past kind of three months, and that's the, the forecast. And for anyone that knows Harry and um, anyone that's been listening to our journey, Harry is almost, I would say, obsessed by forecasts and kind of running to running the business to the forecast or, or making sure that we're ahead of forecast so harry we both feel that's potentially like matt said building a bit of pressure at times what do you think about what matt said there's a lot to reflect on and i think i definitely will take a couple of days to reflect on it obviously we're recording this 10 minutes maybe after we had the the interview so there's some time needed to reflect on things because like, I'm batting around different sides of that argument in my head. What I, I think definitely sitting on right now is I wasn't that person at all. Like I was definitely a roll with the punches. Like I actually got told off for saying this in, in a meeting once, which was we were talking about whether making some investment was the right thing to do. And I was like, oh, fuck it. Like just do it and find out. Like it'll either work out great or it'll all fail. Like, but like, just let's take a decision. And Matt alluded to it himself. So hopefully he won't mind me saying that when Era took the decision to implement Alex service level PLs into the team, I was one of those people who was given a PL and from there was held to that PL and that forecast quite a lot, which I think is actually what has turned me into fairly forecast obsessive. But another thing that Matt did say, which I think is very poignant here, is there is probably a middle ground between the two. I think not having a forecast and not having things to aim towards is a bad thing. But being almost like driven by it is probably also a bad thing. So there is probably a middle ground between the two, which is having one, scheduling time to look at that forecast, see how you're trending to or away from the forecast figure out if that's a good or bad thing and then take action, right? You could probably do that every two weeks or every every month, but maybe not 
every day. Now, I don't necessarily think that's what I am doing at the minute, but yeah, I think there's a lot to reflect on there. The, the thing that is kind of sitting with me on my shoulder a little bit is there's a difference between a forecast and a goal as well. Like, I don't necessarily think I care about every level of detail of a forecast, but I am pretty obsessed with revenue growth at the moment. And again, you could argue it's a good thing, could argue it's a bad thing, but I think there is a middle ground that I don't mean this, well, kind of for 1225, but definitely for me personally, is I need to find the middle ground between having a number I want to achieve and maybe taking some of the time frame away from that a little bit to ease some of the, to your point that you make in the podcast, that like fake pressure, because pressure is not real. It's just like an expectation that you put on yourself and you can kind of control that expectation to a point. So yeah, it's uh, everything that Matt covered and there was a hell of a lot. Um, that's the thing I definitely need to sit on over the weekend and then see, see how I feel come Tuesday when I'm back in the office. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you, you, you'll you be stewing over this for a, a while yet. The only thing I'd say, um, in essence, is obviously with context, with hindsight as well, um, you do you. Um, if you like operating with the you know forecast and using that to drive you, to motivate you, do it um mm. we've been doing that for what six months of this kind of journey or or three months since the business has launched but before that as well it's stood us in good stead i don't think that's necessarily um kind of made us any worse or any better i just think it's helped drive us along the path um and I've enjoyed it as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's about that pressure. It's getting to a point like pressure is a privilege. We've heard that a lot in recent days, but it's making sure it's pressure that pushes us forward, motivates us and helps us achieve the goals. And we've been having more and more kind of almost strategic level chats in the past couple of weeks. And we've got to bear all of this in mind. And it, it's using it as fuel, in essence. Like, if that's going to help us push on and get better, I'm all for it. Yeah, and I think there was a couple of other things that Matt said that are kind of ringing true or just still going around in my head. One of which is, like, we, I think we were kind of organically coming to this, which is we need to allow more time for those kind of conversations, um, which means we need to go to the pub more. And I think Matt was giving us permission <laughs> to do so. So yeah. we need to make sure we're getting to the to the pub more. And the other thing is, like, Enjoyment and fun aren't necessarily the same thing. I'd say that I personally enjoy every day, but I may be not having fun every day. And then that, like need to personally, again, feels like a therapy session. Need to personally, uh, I'll, come back, I'll come into your office there and just have a lie down. But um, <laughs> yeah. like need to allow some more of the fun back in. And again, there's a, there's a middle ground. I think that's all about probably what these next couple of months are going to be for you, I, Josh, whoever else may come into the into the agency is like finding that middle ground. And I think that's probably what Matt was getting at in the episode as well over their first six, nine, 12 months was finding the middle ground. And I think that's, that's what we need to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to look back at that episode. I think it's probably going to be one of the very best for us personally uh, to reflect on at times and, and learn from. Um, obviously, Matt's a, a, a good contact to have. He, he's been very helpful to us over our journey supporting initiatives that we've done and i suppose on a personal note probably more so for you harry than, than me but matt has been immensely helpful to both of us in our careers to date 
Um, we probably wouldn't be where we are right now without the guidance and the support of Matt and Paddy and everyone at ERA. Um, but Matt, in particular, you formed a very good working and, and close uh, friendship with Matt over the years, Harry. And also, it was Matt's advice. If you've read the 102 Tips blog, Matt's piece of advice really set me on course to being a, a business owner, a co-founder. So again, without those words, I might not be sitting here today recording this podcast. So um, that's why we interviewed Matt B. That's why we've done this podcast. And we'll have more guests like this um, on the podcast in future weeks and giving some kind of personal connections to each guest, especially for the next month at least. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to, to share that as well. Yeah, he's all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, just, just on that, just to wrap us up then, which is um, – October like is probably now working out as October into November. So the next four to six episodes are going to be pretty packed with guests. And we have a couple of more, I'd say a couple more agency owners coming on as well. So it's going to be really interesting for us to find the, um, like find the commonalities between them. And I think that's probably some uh, perspective we need as well. I like, yeah, Matt saying, Hey, he didn't worry too much about the forecast, but is everyone else going to say the same thing? You know, like maybe some people do, maybe some people don't. So yeah, we've got a couple like, like Phil from Blend B2B coming on and hopefully a couple more agency owners over the next few weeks as well. So, yeah, going to be a very guest-packed October and November now. But selfishly, we're going to learn a hell of a lot. So really looking forward to that. Absolutely. Go on, Brennan. Give us the line. Again? Okay. Uh, two, two for the price of one this week. Yeah, absolutely. Swing well, but true. Nice one. <laughs>